There is something deeply beautiful about the Advent season. We assume a quiet and patient and prayerful posture, which is then followed by the joy and wonder of the Christmas season. We exchange gifts and feast together. And following Christmastide, the Epiphany season is powerful and triumphant. We are reminded of the full scope of the redemption of Christ and the power of the gospel to transform the world. And so when we consider the momentum and intensifying glory of Advent and Christmas and Epiphany, the season of Lent can honestly seem a bit out of place. After all that, things get dark and solemn. During Lent, we eat less, we celebrate less, and we reflect upon weighty things like our sin and mortality. We mark our foreheads with ash, we fast from good things, and spend 40 days in a prayerful state of introspection. Why? Why do we do this? And why has this practice been reaffirmed by generation after generation of Christians? By the year 330 AD, we know that the 40-day Lenten season was an established rhythm within the early church. And that is incredibly significant because the early church was only granted religious liberty in the year 313 AD. So just 17 years after it became legal to be a Christian, the Lenten season was standard practice within the church. Again, why? Why do we do this? First, let me make a case for the good of giving up. As the Roman Empire declined into a state of decadence, it gave rise to Christian monasticism, meaning monks and monasteries. Serious Christians were leaving the cities to live as hermits in the desert rather than engage with the rampant sin around them. They practiced penance and they purged themselves of all worldly pleasure because they had hope in a life beyond this life. And so their reasons were good, but, but I think this move was misguided in many ways. Over the centuries, the church has come to understand that this monastic impulse was and is, to a certain degree, excessive. It is good to be holy. It is good to fight sin. It is good not to be enslaved to worldly passions. But it is also good for Christians to continue shining the light of Christ in the darkness. And it is also good for Christians to affirm the material world and the human body and to receive with joy the pleasures of life, not in excess, but with joy and gratitude to a God who desires to bless us in this life. So, Lent does not call us to become hermits. The season of Lent teaches us to stay engaged with the affairs of a fallen world but nonetheless, to learn self-control as one of the most basic spiritual disciplines. We do not give up things because they are in themselves bad. We give up things because we desire a higher good. Professional athletes train their bodies and give up certain things in order to remain competitive. In a sense, they engage in Lenten practices in order to win. And Christians are called to the same type of thing. 
1 Corinthians 9 says that every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Our goal is to conquer ourselves, to be in control of ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lent is a season for focusing on the true meaning and purpose of our existence before God. Lent is a season for allowing peripheral things to fade into the periphery. But keep in mind, peripheral does not mean bad. We forego even good things in order to narrow our vision upon the highest things. It's not about giving up things for their own sake. It's about gaining something better. It's about honing in on the kind of spiritual consciousness that can get lost in the fog of alcohol or gluttony or lust or greed. According to Lynn Bob, Christian fasting is the voluntary denial of something for a specific period of time for a spiritual purpose. And so fasting is like Sabbath keeping. It's a restriction that is ultimately for our good and that ultimately creates space for deeper communion with God. So we restrict ourselves in order to experience greater freedom. When we fast, we are saying no to ourselves, and that's a really big deal. To say no to yourself is itself a countercultural thing. We live in a world that encourages us to submit to every craving, buy this product, do that thing, become who you really are. But as Christians, we often say no to certain cravings, even good ones. And we do this not because we hate life or because we hate pleasure, but because we are convinced that more life and more pleasure is available to us in giving up, in saying no. I love the way Joan Chittister puts it. She says, to become all that we are meant to be, we must learn to become a little less than we demand to be. So every year, the season of Lent invites us to engage in a downward journey, a 40-day journey down a darkened path. Now, if you count up the days between Ash Wednesday and Easter, you will count 46 days. But Sunday is always the Lord's Day. Sunday is never a day for fasting. Sunday is always a mini Easter, a mini celebration of the resurrection. And there are six Sundays during the season of Lent. So 46 minus 6, that's how we come to 40. And in biblical terms, 40 is a number symbolizing preparedness and fullness. It's a span of time sufficient to prepare for something or sufficient to accomplish something. Noah built an ark, and the rains fell for 40 days and nights. The people of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, as was Elijah many years later. Several characters in the Bible are 40 years old when they begin a new venture, 
Several kings in the Bible reigned for 40 years. The city of Nineveh was given 40 days to repent. And of course, Jesus spent 40 days fasting and being tempted in the wilderness. So, for 40 days, we engage in a downward journey. But we do this because in the process of humbling ourselves, we are made ready to receive from God a fresh and joy-filled gift. We go down in order to be lifted. Downward is not bad. Downward can be good. Think about roots, the roots of a tree. Roots go downward. And if they, if they don't go downward, the tree is not going to be very fruitful. If a tree never goes downward, it will not receive adequate nourishment. It will not be stable in a storm. It will not bear fruit, and it will ultimately die. So downward is good. Like Advent, Lent is a darkened season in preparation for a glad feast. The Christian year is taking us by the hand and walking us through the ups and downs of life. The real power of the liturgical year, according to Joan Chittister, is its spiritual capacity to touch and plumb the depths of the human experience, to stir the human heart. By walking the way of the life of Jesus, by moving into the experience of Jesus, we discover the meaning of our own experiences the undercurrent of our own emotions, the struggle it takes to go on walking the way of Christ. So Lent is a time to reconsider our human condition, including sin and its consequences for us as individuals, for our community, and for our society. But Lent is also a time to reconsider the glory unto which we have been called. Speaking personally, Lent is not my favorite season within the Christian year, but it is the season that convinces me more than any other that the Christian year is worth observing. In part, Lent is compelling because it's not my favorite. I don't want to do it. The Christian year does not lead us through a bunch of fun, awesome things that we might have done anyway. It leads us where we need to go not just where we want to go. Again, the Christian year takes us by the hand and walks us through the ups and downs of life. This is, in essence, the power of the Christian year to disciple us and to mature us as individuals and as a community. Now, let me offer two things to keep in mind as you consider how best to observe the season of Lent. Number one, Fasting is a healthy spiritual practice, but the true Lenten discipline is self-examination. We are seeking greater holiness and greater conformity to the mind of Christ. Lent is not just temporary. We desire permanent change. So whatever your your observance of Lent looks like, make sure you are setting aside time to quiet yourself and to take an honest look at yourself. Think about your thoughts and your behaviors. Think about your desires and emotions and habits. Am I cheerfully sharing what I have been given, especially with the poor? 
How do I treat people who irritate me? Do I sincerely appreciate the people who make up the community God has entrusted to me? Do I concern myself with their needs? Does my attendance on Sundays bear witness to the worthiness of God? Or am I communicating that God and his church are not worth prioritizing? When I am stressed, how do I treat my spouse or children or roommates? Can I adjust my budget in order to be more generous and hospitable? Do I gossip? Am I overly critical? Am I quick to speak well of others? What social issues am I passionate about? How can I get more involved? Am I prayerful? Am I quick to speak with God and to hear from his word? Do I complain more than I give thanks? So that's number one, practice self-examination. And number two is this, exercise compassion. Giving something up can reveal the degree to which that thing exercises control over us. But giving things up is also a way of deepening our sense of solidarity with those who have little. Our hunger during Lent helps us to empathize with the hungry. And so Lent ought to be a time for serving the underprivileged. Isaiah 58, is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? In cutting back, in, in giving up, in saying no, we ought to simultaneously devote ourselves once again to caring for the poor and the widow and the orphan, which requires a willingness to enter into the suffering of others, to suffer alongside others. The world was saved through the voluntary suffering of Christ. And that salvation is still coming to the world through the voluntary suffering of his people. Those who refuse to suffer, refuse to grow. Whether in the gym or the Christian life, we mature by enduring suffering. But again, Lent is not masochistic. I'm not saying that we should enjoy the suffering but Lent teaches us to be willing. It teaches us to endure suffering faithfully, like Jesus. It teaches us to carry our own crosses, and that is the essence of Christian maturity.